recorded live. Good evening. This is your host, Rich Bernardo, on Daily Talk. We search your 135's community call. Our guest tonight is an e-commerce professor from Tampa, Florida, Dan Patrick. This is a return appearance. He was my guest uh, before a few months back, and at that time he was revealing abuses and fraud and deception by eBay. He'll be going into more of that tonight. He'll be discussing all of those things again, and we'll be welcoming him back. I'm looking forward to Dan Patrick's return. He's also a consultant, very knowledgeable uh, about e-commerce, in, in addition to being a professor of e-commerce. And again, I want to urge all of you to call in your questions or comments. Remember, this show will be available for download. Uh, it is being recorded. It will be recorded and archived, and then it will be available for you to listen to at any time and to download and share uh, as you wish. All of the previous shows are also available here. They're also archived and recorded, and you can look them up and listen to them at any time. You can download them at any time, and you can share them as well. Many of the shows are available uh, on my group pages on Facebook. As you know, there's a number of groups. Uh, one group is dedicated to this show. Uh, it's called uh, Daily Talk, and that uh, Facebook group contains links to many of the episodes here. You can click the link and listen to the episode. Similarly, Cultural Debris, another Facebook group of mine, has many shows, as there's Urban Lore Anecdotes. Uh, that group also has a number of my shows on it. Many of you who are familiar with the, the subject of e-commerce uh, also know about my two Facebook groups that are anti-eBay groups that have been around now for a year that have a combined membership of some 3,000 people, many of whom are former eBay sellers. As a matter of fact, that's the name of the groups, former eBay sellers, the first group, a closed group, and former eBay sellers to open forum. Uh, you're welcome to come and check out uh, either or both groups. Uh, you're welcome to join either or both groups, particularly if you've had any bad experiences with eBay and virtually anyone who's dealt with eBay for any length of time, particularly as a small seller, uh, certainly has had a number of bad experiences. Uh, you'll be welcome to share those there on the group. Uh, you'll be welcome to share uh, those bad experiences with eBay here on the air tonight uh, on the show. Uh, that's one of the things that Dan will be talking about will be the, the very poor treatment that uh, small eBay sellers have received for a number of years now uh, due to the bad policies that were put in place by CEO John Donahoe. He's gone from there now. Uh, there's another guy now, Devin Winnig, who's uh, taken his place. Carl Icahn successfully uh, got Donahoe out of there and successfully got uh, his man in there on the eBay board. That does not necessarily mean that there will be immediate or even moderate improvements for small sellers on eBay. The handwriting pretty much has been on the wall for a period of time. And uh, I don't see a lot of improvement coming. Dan may have a, a few thoughts on that uh, And if he does, he'll share those with us. Uh, he'll tell us uh, some of what he sees happening in the future. One of the things that I see happening, of course, is the increase in Facebook selling groups. This is already happening all over the country. Every town and city has some type of yard sale group, some type of selling group, where you can place uh, pictures of your items, descriptions of your item for sale. Uh, Facebook has integrated uh, buttons uh, in there for that where you can tell what you're selling. You can set a price on it. Of course, you can upload pictures of your item. You provide a cell phone number. People call you, make arrangements to meet you somewhere, uh, and then you sell them your item. It's a direct person-to-person, face-to-face transaction. None of the baloney that you go through with uh, eBay, in which there's so many different ways that... A small seller can 
can be burned, not only by bad eBay policies, but by fraudulent scamming buyers, uh, many of whom are being enabled by uh, eBay. And that's one of the things that uh, Dan should be talking about tonight, too, how the bad policies that have been put into place at eBay are actually enabling bad and fraudulent scamming buyers and enabling them to uh, take advantage of the honest, decent, small seller. What's left of the honest, decent, small seller? Keep in mind, on August 6, 2013, 15,000 small sellers were eliminated, suspended from selling on eBay in one fell swoop. And that's the first purge that was reported by Ina Steiner and by Suzanne uh, Wells, both uh, online uh, blogs, uh, e-commerce bots is where Ina Steiner's articles appear weekly. She reported the purge, as did Suzanne Wells. And then it was all over the eBay discussion boards. And then, of course, eBay finally acknowledged it and admitted, yeah, we got rid of 15000 all at once, eliminated in one fell swoop. And there's a number of mechanisms in place at eBay to do exactly that. And it looks like we have a caller on the line. Hello, Terry. Hi, Rich. Uh, How are you doing this evening? Go ahead. Fine. Uh, well, the question I wanted to ask, I, I've never been on eBay before, so I'm not really familiar with it, but I wondered if you could tell me exactly what is the purpose that, of what they are doing, trying to get rid of all of their clients? Well, basically, Donahoe, is, he's a one percenter, and he is a, uh, a Sanford man, and he was born into uh, extreme affluence and privilege. He essentially came into eBay and looked down upon what he perceived to be a flea market atmosphere. He didn't like that. He referred to the small mom-and-pop sellers as noise. This is back in 2008 when he took over as CEO. Basically, because Amazon was outdoing eBay then, as it still is now, they do more gross volume per week and per month. He wanted to imitate Amazon. So he began to initiate policies to try to get rid of the small mom-and-pop uh, individual small sellers, and he wanted to favor the big-box retailers. His dream was to transform eBay into a portal for Toys R Us, for Levi's, for JCPenney's, for Sears, for Kmart, all of these companies that don't even need oh, eBay. I, they, I, I see. Yeah, they, they don't need eBay, but they, like you said, the small mom-and-pop operations do. That's their bread and butter. And they're the ones who built eBay. When Pierre Omidyar started eBay back in 1995, it was the small individual seller who began to clear out the garage of their attic because those rare, unusual items you couldn't find anywhere else suddenly were available nationwide on eBay to anybody out there that wanted to buy one. It connected buyer and seller. And that, that was the original beauty of, of the early eBay back in the glory days, what they call the good old days of eBay. And it looks like we have Florida Tempo Metro. Good evening, Dan Patrick. Hey, Rich. How you doing? Doing great. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you back. Thank you. How are you? I'm just doing great. Uh, well, tell me a little bit, since your last appearance here, what are some of the things that you've been doing in, in terms of, of e-commerce and, and in terms of uh, the implosion that's going on at eBay? Well, you know, uh, Richard, at this point, uh, I've taken a little break, and, and I'm just kind of doing my research uh, on what's going on out there. Uh, uh, you know, I think we discussed the fact that uh, I've been involved. I've actually been involved in e-commerce since the absolute beginning. Uh, in 1995, the National Science Foundation opened up the web, World Wide Web, for uh, commercial interest in e-commerce. And I've been, in, been there since the very beginning. I actually was... I was there before uh, the National Science Foundation opened uh, up the Internet to the public. Uh, I was in the defense industry, and I worked at some of the nation's top uh, defense labs, uh, John Hawkins Applied Physics Lab, uh, Nuclear Regulatory Commission, you know, and a few other ones. I, I'm originally from the D.C. Beltway area, so uh, I graduated from the University of Maryland in uh, 1991 with a bachelor's. And I got a master's in 1996, and I, I stepped, you know, and, and in between that time, uh, the internet was uh, becoming evolving, 
and it was only available to universities and defense uh, facilities. And at Johns Hopkins, my first job out of college, we were both. So I've watched this whole thing grow up, and I, I was I was on eBay. I was one of the first people on eBay, you know, back in like '96, '90, you know, around that '97 time frame. As soon as I, you know, I got into that um, home computer business. I, I used to do computers nine hours a day, and I wouldn't want to go home and and work on computers until somebody turned me on a home system, and I got hooked, and and I found out I could make money, and and I, and I thought, and I, I've been hooked ever since. And I think we talked earlier this week that, that I ran a uh, commerce venture for an online uh, discount perfume outlet for seven years. Perfume outlet, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and between 2007 and, and 2014, and just we just recently closed our doors. And he had a major Amazon presence uh, and a very difficult niche to uh, compete in. Uh, fragrances and uh, perfumes are a uh, highly competitive niche and uh, – we had we, we we were up against a lot of the big people like Macy's, Dillard's, and and those kind of uh, entities online. Uh, all of them, you know, uh, competing for the, their lion's share of uh, Amazon business. And I think you know one of the things we talk about is, is how and you brought up this on, on uh, the Facebook group uh, I think over the last couple of weeks about suicide prevention and, and and eBay costing people not just their their possessions and, and, and other things, the, the peace of mind, their lives, and, and even their lives. You know, when it gets some sound to it. Yes, let me go into that for a moment. In fact, there's documented cases of a distraught, de- depressed uh, small seller who has their carpet pulled out from under them by eBay, literally committing suicide. There was a, a case uh, that appeared uh, in a film, The Bridge, uh, and that's commercially available. I think it's on Netflix, and it's out on DVD, et cetera, et cetera. And it goes into suicides uh, from San Francisco, people jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. And one particular case that's covered in this film, in this documentary, was a former eBay seller who was cut off from eBay and became absolutely distraught. And so he jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. And there's there's quite a bit of information about that, too, because the family did engage in a lawsuit. I'm not sure how that turned out, but a lot of this can be Googled. There's a number of other cases, too, of of people literally going into suicidal depression. And, in fact... uh, my confidential source who began calling me last year uh, early uh, in all of this when I started the two uh, former uh, Facebook, former eBay seller groups on Facebook, I had a confidential connection who started calling me on the phone, and this guy was pretty high up at eBay for a while and got away from there because he saw what was going on. Now, he prefers to remain anonymous for many different reasons, and I respect that, so I will not reveal his name as my source, but uh, I did take several yellow legal pads full of notes. Now, he would not consent to be recorded, unfortunately. Uh, He will get in touch with me again in the future. He's assured me that he will. He did come in for a while and make a number of posts in both of my groups, and he's the one who is my original source for the eBay suicide story, but I've since found it numerous other places as well. Everything he has told me, I have been able to document and verify not only through Ina Steiner's e-commerce bots, but I found it elsewhere. Uh, so that guy's got the goods on eBay, and he's been slowly revealing much of it. But but sadly, yes, many people were driven to uh, to suicide uh, by the bad eBay policies and by the bad treatment they received from eBay. And that's just disgraceful. Uh, you know, it's interesting. About seven years ago, uh, when I did start uh, with the Amazon uh, slash web store, we had our own web store as well, and we had our own uh, state of the art uh, e-commerce software for the, the perfume shop that. The two-third, uh, see, I think that it, there was a, in the business section of the Tampa Bay Tribune said that uh, the second biggest employer of Tampa Bay residents during the uh, the Great Recession of 2007 and beyond was eBay, either part-time or full-time, which is, it, you know, just made my jaw drop. And then they went on to explain that, um, that I think Checker Burgers, the, the, the food chain, has a headquarters in Tampa, and they're number one, and they're followed by part-time and full-time eBay sellers, number two, and I think number three was Home Shoppers Network. So you've got an entity that outshines Home Shoppers Network, uh, you know, because they're located in the the greater Tampa Bay area. And, you know, when you think about it, that uh, entire metropolitan region as big as Tampa Bay's second biggest employer is eBay, 
that that's a lot of person's income. You know, uh, people are very dependent on their eBay income for their livelihoods, and it, it has a domino effect. You know, this guy loses his seller account, and then his car gets repossessed. His car gets repossessed, or or he can't buy a new car. Then the guy at the car lot loses his job. The guy at the car lot loses his job. He can't go out to Pizza Hut anymore. You see, you see where I'm going with this? I do. I do the ripple effect on the economy. Yeah, and you know, and this we saw like I was like I said I was in the defense business for years, and in the early '90s when communism fell, we what we went through was major cutbacks in, in defense spending, and a lot of those facilities, the places I worked at, like Westinghouses and IBM's and stuff, took major hits on federal programs, and the same thing happened. It devastated entire communities. And, you know, even wealth is an incredible amount of power when you have an incredible amount of economic power, like eBay does. You, you, you're wielding a, a lot. It's a dangerous level of power. And eBay generates $15 billion a year revenue. And, and that's incredible power. You know, that it, and why the government is not regulate, watching what's going on is kind of beyond. I don't know what kind of research you have. I don't. I hear a lot of I read a lot of complaints on the web, but I don't see a lot of stuff about government interference with. And I know the government doesn't want to interfere with e-commerce as much, you know, as little as they want to interfere with as little as possible. And that makes good sense because that could stifle growth. And government doesn't have really have a place in free commerce. But then again, when a entity like Ma Bell back in the 70s or IBM back in the or not IBM but Microsoft back in the 80s. When a company gets so big that they become a monopoly, almost to a certain extent, then the government steps in. So my question to you is: When is when is the government when is the government going to recognize eBay as almost a monopoly on as far as online garage sales go? Yeah. The only observation I could make in regards to that would be that evidently uh, the heavy success and presence of Amazon. Cool sort of undermines the monopoly argument that and the fact that other much less successful platforms such as Bonanza, online auction, et cetera, do exist. Etsy, for example. So the argument is, is thrown out there for what it's worth. I disagree with it, of course. But the argument is thrown out there, well, eBay's not really a monopoly because there's this and there's that and there's this and that. And, right. of course, those are the examples used. Uh, still, to all intent and purposes, eBay does, in fact monopolize online buying and selling to an enormous degree, uh, only equaled by Amazon. Yeah, and, and, uh, and what you, you know, eBay has a lot of unique niches that Amazon and none of the other online platforms are, are even going to come close to, you know, strange stuff, off-the-wall stuff. Uh, and uh, and like I, I think I spoke last time, crooks, crooks thrive on, on eBay. It, it, you know, they're still not following the uh, the copyright laws. You know, they're still selling copyright protected music, for instance. Uh, you know, one of the things is the Grateful Dead played like supposedly their their final farewell shows this summer. And if you do a search on Grateful Dead cassette tapes, they're they're all over. They're one of the biggest. If you have you had a big stash of Grateful Dead tapes right now, you could probably get a lot of money for them. And this is music that was. The, the Grateful Dead gave the, their fans. They said, you could tape our music and trade it and share it freely, but you can't sell it. Well, it's sold all over eBay. You know, so you know, you got to wonder when's enough is enough. And, you know, I think you know, what we're going to get back here is I was going to try to, like, do a little A-B comparison uh, of the seller experience on Amazon. And I would say that my employer was, uh, he wasn't huge like a Dillard's or Macy's, but he was in the middle somewhere. And and the way they treated us was completely different. And I think we spoke, you know, uh, off off air. And I said, you know, every time I I send something out on eBay to a customer, I, I just had a just sense of dread that you know, is this going to be the one thing that somebody's going to like blow up and cause a bunch of stuff about just because they know they could do it. Yeah, you know? I'd like for you to uh, go into that and elaborate a little on the differences between the way Amazon treats their sellers and the way eBay does. Well, you know, one thing is the defect business. Uh, there isn't any secret DSR, detailed rating. You know, it, it is what it is. You know, uh, defects, 
usually come about on Amazon for real reasons. You know what I mean? It's not because you know somebody like doesn't know how to get a hold of the the seller and they go through uh, what some kind of like uh, one of the eBay programs where they automatically like open a case and now accounts it. That stuff doesn't happen on Amazon, first of all, as far as I can remember. You know, people have direct contact. Uh, rarely think. I, my whole seven years, I can't think of. I, I think we may, we might, we, we probably got less than half a dozen next remarks. And when we did, we one one period of time, we found ourselves in what they call the red zone. We went from green to yellow to red in the defect area. And here's what the, the, the major difference is, uh, Rich, is that I, my boss had called them up and find out what's going on. Because it came as a surprise to us. It just came up. I think we had a couple of misdirected mails or some people decided they didn't want something and they returned it. And, you know, and, and, and I think every seller goes through a period where several things go wrong. It's, you know, it's inevitable in business, especially when you're doing volume. Several things might go wrong at any given time, and it's not your fault. And... I, so I called up Amazon's customer service because we were concerned. We wanted to find out, well, what's going on here? What can we do to resolve it? How can we fix it? Well, the first Amazon rep said is, you're doing great. And I said, well, what about this red? I mean, we're, you know, it said you could lose the account, you know, if, it, if it's, not, it's not fixed. In six, this, they said no, you know. It, it, it's actually misleading to a certain extent. They just, and they were very encouraging. They said, keep on doing what you're doing. Uh, you will get out of the red. And you, you know, and you will continue because you, your record has been great with us for years. But I'm not hearing that about it. I mean, eBay people fall in underneath the the standard performance, and it's right away you're you're guilty as all get out and and getting the boot before you have a chance to even redeem yourself. And and at yeah. the point, let you exactly. And at eBay, the buyer is always right. Uh, the seller is automatically wrong. And sellers are even blamed and held accountable for stuff that's outside their control, such as shipping problems uh, through the post office, for example, bad weather, things that, that they can't control that cause something to be a day or two late, and they're penalized uh, by eBay for that. Well, people get, you know, and I'm reading all the time that people are getting beat, beat all the heck during the holiday season. Because and we all know that the holiday season is one of the mid- biggest mailing season, you know, for the postal service. And I've found through years of using the United States Postal Service extremely efficient, extremely, you know, probably the most efficient in the world. And when they do lose something, with tra- if you have tracking, you can call them and get this resolved. And eBay, eBay watches is watching your tracking. They know what's going on, but they still allow a customer inquiry or a customer that opens is impatient that opens a case to count as a defect against the seller. And, and I think, you know, we made the point, I made the point with you the other night that it's like the seller can hit you in the face or the buyer can hit you, the seller, in the face, but you can't hit back. You're, you're, you're supposed to take abuse at all levels from the buyer as a seller on eBay, and that's part of the deal. And if you don't want to deal with that, they don't want you around. And then well, eventually dealing with see, that, you'll be the seller. That's part of the organized, orchestrated design of the elimination of, of the small seller. And what defines a small seller? Well, the ballpark range uh, seems to be less than 40 to 60K per year. That's a guesstimate. Nobody can pinpoint the exact uh, point at which you're considered a small seller versus a high-volume seller. It doesn't really matter because the policies have been so severely put into place that they affect everybody below a certain level. Whereas the big guys, such as Toys R Us, Levi's, JCPenney, they get scrubbed. They they not only experience immunity uh, from DSRs, but there's actual documented cases, screenshots, where there was X number of negatives or X number of low DSRs, uh, and then a couple of hours later, suddenly those are gone. So that's called scrubbing, and that's one of the things that former eBay Insider also talked to me about how that uh, the big box retailers uh, enjoy that, uh, something that obviously it's an unfair playing field. And I think it's uh, interesting. Rich, could I ask a question real quick? Sure. Uh, well, if uh, – oh, I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought. Um, but if uh, – the big the big box 
places. Is eBay, yeah. do they get a kickback on a certain amount uh, that is sold through these, you know, like what you said, Levi, JCPenney's, or what? Do they get a certain kickback of money? Well, for, there may be some behind-the-scenes arrangements. There may be behind-the-scenes arrangements that we're not aware of that wouldn't be surprising at all. Uh, nevertheless, uh, probably they're seen as driving so much volume, driving so much traffic through eBay that they're just sort of uh, granted immunity, uh, granted special privileges based on the amount of volume that they drive through eBay. That, w- that would be my theory on that. What, what do you think, Dan? You know, I think that the major thing that you hit it right on the head is a vibe. You know, you're doing the Levi's of the world, and the, and the big name people are doing such incredible volume that they're pouring so much money and traffic. And right, and even the, the fact that they're bringing people in, even if they don't make a sale, they're bringing people in is worth its weight in gold. So the course they're going to kowtow to those people that are. Really, you know, their bread and butter, or they're trying to make those people their bread and butter. Their, their original bread and butter was the everyday person and the online garage sale concept. Now they want to be where Amazon is with the major retailers, with the Macy's of the world, the, the J.C. Penney's, and, and that kind of thing, you know, and the Levi's and the big names. And and I don't understand it because, like I said, one of the best things about eBay is the niche market, the strange niche. That I, I got a friend that, that found two photographs of himself as a minor league hockey player back in the 70s for sale on eBay. <laughs> he got outbid on his own photograph. He lost the first one, and, and he finally got it. You know, But, you know, he's like 62 years old, and there's a picture of him at 24 years of age playing hockey. And where else in the world are you going to find that? You know, it's just not, you know, it's, it's, not, a common, it's not a common item that's for sale in most other places online. And, and that's just one of the you know m- strange niches that they they focus on and they have on there. But but then again, look at the number of you know, some of the people that have, uh, the players that have been on there longest, even with those oddball kind of things, have like fifty or sixty thousand sales and have been there since nineteen ninety eight or two you know fifteen sixteen seventeen years. You know, and after a while, you know, eBay starts to respect those those kind of uh, smaller niche people. But you know. Her quest to go back to her question, and I think you answered it perfectly. Is just the amount, just to, even if they gave them a huge discount on fees, think about it. You know, I mean, their million dollars is worth a lot more. Uh, you know, a month of, or whatever is worth a lot more than uh, single small sellers like, you know, forty. 000, you know, I've read some people that consider so small, small seller doing forty thousand dollars a month in volume on any given product. Well, eBay doesn't respect those people. They don't, and nowhere near that they're going to respect those people. Uh, they're doing a million or more, you know, dollars a month, or even 150. You know, well, and another thing that uh, former eBay insider pointed out to me: eBay operates on the revolving door uh, methodology, uh, the turnstile methodology. The idea that there's an endless number, an endless supply of small sellers out there, and you know that the small seller is expendable because they can simply be replaced, that there's just this endless supply of sellers waiting to get on eBay. That's, that's the uh, operating premise. Yeah, I have friends that can't believe that, you know, I have I have friends that buy on eBay that can't believe that this kind of stuff that we're talking about really happened. I've been accused of being a conspiracy theorist, uh, you know, a paranoid person. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, go Google eBay and, and, and uh, seller problems. Just Google those three terms and, and, and see what you come up with. Dan, we have Central Pennsylvania on the phone. We have a new caller. Hello, Central Pennsylvania. Hi, Rich. It's Becky checking in. Sorry, just got off work. Well, glad to have you here on the show. If you have any comments or questions, feel free. I'm just going to listen and catch up and then I'll say a couple words. How's that? Sounds like a plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, what do you see happening now that the split has occurred, now that uh, PayPal's on its own, and, and eBay's uh, probably going to get swallowed up by some other company. What do you think? Well, you know, that's an interesting – that's going to remain to be seen. I, it's because PayPal does can function in so many other capacities in e-commerce without eBay. But exactly. it's not the same way. It doesn't go two-way. eBay really doesn't function that well without PayPal. 
you see, PayPal isn't completely dependent on eBay, whereas eBay's almost has set themselves up. And not that there's other not other other options, there is, but eBay has set themselves up to be completely dependent just about on on PayPal. So it'll mm-hmm. be interesting what happens to eBay after this. Uh, I think both both companies' stock shot up. It didn't hurt the, the shareholders at all. Uh, if that's any any indication, I don't know. Uh, but I think it, it, it's too it's too quick. It's too soon. It, what it just happened like a week ago, right? Or eight days ago? Right. Yeah, it's very early. It's it's too too soon to tell exactly what's going to happen. But it, we're in the early stages now of the split. Yeah, so it'll be interesting how it shakes out, you know. And I don't know what kind of agreement eBay had with PayPal, you know, as far as exclusivity. But but uh, it seems to me that that people buying off of uh, Amazon and Alibaba and, and some of the bigger worldwide online platforms take advantage of PayPal. So PayPal will probably always thrive, even though their practices are less than. Uh, Top rate either. You know, I, I've read a lot of really bad PayPal stories out there, and, and I believe them to be true. I, I don't think people make things up, you know, uh, especially when it comes to serious business like their livelihoods. Uh, you know, have, you you uh, you mentioned the incredulity that you you encountered with the the different friends and different people who just couldn't believe that eBay was capable of doing what they're doing to the small seller, and yet, ironically, as we have uh, someone here in the chat room, VanGo.com. Uh, look on eBay's own website in their community forum for problems on eBay. Well, see, before I began the two uh, former eBay seller groups on Facebook, that's what I was running into. All these people were reporting exactly what I was experiencing. All these unhappy, disgruntled small sellers were saying, eBay's doing this to me, eBay's doing that to me, and nobody was listening. Uh, Mainstream media still hasn't done this story justice, though finally some of the financial writers on Seeking Alpha and a couple of other places are beginning to acknowledge these problems, are beginning to mention some of the things that we're discussing here tonight, but it's been very slow. eBay did a very, very good job of concealing or covering this up from the mainstream general buying public, uh, from mainstream media, and that's been very disheartening to a lot of small sellers to know what's going on and have such difficulty getting the word out which is one of the reasons why I wrote my ebook. It's one of the reasons why uh, I started the two former eBay sellers groups. You know, and it's interesting because, Rich, before I started to sell, I was a big buyer for several years. I mean, you know, during the Great Recession, I was I was blessed enough to be a professor and an educator, and we had a lot of people flocking back to school. So it was never a shortage of work for me. And uh, when that started to, like, slow up, I started to, to, to pare down some of my collections and stuff, and I – and I started to read these horror stories. And then there was people that, that are selling you eBay stealth guides, you know, and showing you how to get back on eBay under different IDs. And, and they're charging like $50 for a subscription to these, you know, uh, eBooks. And then subsequent, and it seems, you know, there's a, another forum called Black Hat where they, where they just break it down step by step. And if you go on YouTube, just, just uh, search for eBay horror stories. And people are, experienced sellers are going to tell you, but you better have more than one account lined up, and you better know how to get back online uh, with them if you're going to depend on them because you're going to get kicked off eventually. And it's hard for a regular person to, like, you know, a person that's had a lot of success buying stuff for years, right, is not going, you know, because the buyer's always right. Mm-hmm. They have a problem conceiving that. Once you get on the other side, you're always wrong. Mm-hmm. B-Base set it up like that, that, Seller's always wrong, buyer's always right. So once you make the transition from buyer to seller, unless you have that knowledge that you've been picking up in the forums and I've been picking up in the forums and, and I read a lot of those things in eBay's own forums. You know, it wasn't just the, the black hat worlds and the, the stealth guys and, and those people warning other people of what to happen to them, but it's coming from right from their own chat pages. And you're you're looking at like, well, this whole thing is set up that the buyer is always right. And once you open that door. Once you tell people that you can do anything you want to the people here that are small time, you can abuse them any way you want. You can get free stuff you want. Once word gets out, there's a certain class of individual, and I think we spoke about this, that, that they're hiding through a veil of anonymity through the, the Internet. They're, they're going to try to rip people off you know, online, where, whereas they wouldn't do it if they were going to come into a face-to-face brick-and-mortar store. 
they're going to try to, and they're going to, with eBay behind them and giving them the power and the clout to steal from the sellers, you know, yes. and, and all yes. that, and feedback extortion, then there's certain individuals that are always going to take advantage of that. In effect, uh, eBay, through these policies, has enabled scamming buyers uh, to take advantage of small sellers. Exactly. Like after after a year of being a small seller and knowing that that what people can do to you, and, and plus you know having a curious mind studying outside just my experience, that at this point, if I really wanted to just rip through and just and beat people up all day long and get free stuff, I could. But I'm not. That's not in my moral makeup. You know. I, I mean, and I actually haven't been a seller. I would never do that to anybody. I don't think I've ever even left bad feedback for anybody. It's just not my bag. You know. But there are some people that are going to see and read the same things that we're reading, and they're going to take that information, and they're going to turn it around, Rich, and they're going to, they're going to use it to get themselves some free things. In fact, uh, you had an experience that you mentioned in our last show, and I think it's worth uh, repeating again. Tell them about that incident where the guy bought several bargain comic books and then left you the low ratings. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it's called, and they have a name for it in the eBay chat, or the eBay, uh, it's called a false positive. Uh, mm. feedback where where a guy gives you like great feedback it looks like it's glowing hey thank you it's green it shows up you know on your feedback it's good but the DSLs the DSRs put not as described he bought nine things at the same time all I packed them up in the same box and he went down and he, he left nine thank yous under positive feedback and I almost left him a positive feedback myself because I always leave positive feedback for people that leave positive feedback. And I thought, this is too strange. Why is he saying thank you nine times for the same package? And eBay has a, and you really have, I had to go on YouTube to find out where the defect report's written. It's on your seller, it's under your seller dashboard, and it's, it's a link. And you hit the link, and you have to, it's password protected. You have to use your user ID and your password to get to the detailed seller report. And you can see which transactions uh, equated which DSRs, and I found one guy, one miserable guy, and I traced him right to his home, and I knew exactly who he is. One miserable guy put nine positive feedbacks, and he put not as described on all nine books. Only on all, I sold, I blew him out for a dollar, and, and he obviously he was a, a top-rated seller, and it looked like he obviously knew the ropes, he knew what he was doing. And he just, for whatever reason, maybe. And here's another thing I worry about, Rich, is a lot of former sellers, once they get beat up, what, what knowledge do they have? They have knowledge to do what? They have knowledge to beat up other small sellers, don't they? Mm-hmm. I mean, after you get kicked around on eBay enough, right, you know how to push somebody's buttons to get away with it. So in eBay, what they like to do, and I think you know this too, is they'll suspend you from selling. They'll say you can buy all you want. So what do you got now? You got a whole class of angry former sellers out there, right? Looking mm-hmm. to buy, looking to get revenge for stuff, punk stuff like that. What that guy did to me, right? And they're going to look. They know how to do it now. You know? Well, to all, in, to all intent and purposes, John Donahoe's disruptive innovation has essentially destroyed and undermined eBay for the vast majority of ordinary Americans. Well, absolutely, and you know, I, I'm thinking about, you know, it's like. With with the advent of technology, I was giving it some thought tonight. It's like, you know, I studied artificial intelligence and expert systems in, in graduate school. And, and at this point, you know, in 2015, eBay has very sophisticated systems. And they can probably, they probably have projections. And they probably, you know, like, where's the seller headed? And, you know, what happened to me was during a lull in my selling. You know, I, I was selling, you know, a, over 50 items a month, which is very small, between 50 and 100, and I had a slow month, 26. And, and I think that they've got some kind of flagging system where, you know, they're going to look for any re- – when they see a drop in, small, in a small seller's sales, they're going, to, they're going to ding you. You know, I've got friends, you know, they haven't lost their accounts yet, but they're going, well, gosh, they dropped me from free, you know, 50 free listings a month to, to 10. And I said, well, what did you do? Well, I, didn't, I didn't, just didn't sell for a month very much. You know, and I, I think that they look at that. I, I really do. I think I think they have systems that look at things like uh, yeah, buying. and that's that's one of the things too that uh, former eBay insider and I discussed, and he was telling me about, and and then it's been borne out in various policy updates and in 
not only the eBay discussion boards themselves, but over on, on the signers e-commerce blogs, and that's how small sellers uh, receiving the low DSRs then punitively experience a 21-day slap, a hold on their PayPal funds. They have to go ahead and ship the item, but they can't touch the money for three weeks. You know, supposedly with tracking that gets released, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, a couple more low DSRs can result in a small seller even being suspended. But there is that slow path, and this is where, and there's a video on YouTube about this, and I've also posted this video over on my groups, and it's about guardrail, which is an internal system inside eBay, guardrail or quick decline, where a small seller is targeted by this algorithm that sees if you're trending, it sees if you've gotten a couple of low DSRs, and that's immediately when they lower your seller limit. See, the number of items you can list, like you mentioned, maybe the guy was listing 100 items per month. Well, now we're only going to let you list 50 because you got a couple of low DSRs. So then the next month rolls around, something else happens perhaps, unwarranted and unjustified. Maybe the buyer woke up on the wrong side of the bed, and so the guy catches another unfair low DSR. Well, guess what? His seller limits then drop to 25 items per month that he can list. So basically it's the slow road to oblivion, and this is what happens to the small sellers once they've gotten targeted by guardrail or quick decline. You know, I, I hear a lot, I read a lot on the United Kingdom pages, for some reason, about guardrail more than I do in the America, and it, it obviously more obvious to those people for right now. But I, I think it's I think it I don't think it's just limited to the European or or uh, United Kingdom sellers. I, I think it, I think it's across the board, like you're describing, and, and they do have algorithms, and they do have uh, supercomputers and expert systems that see trends, and then uh, and then they target those people for some reason. And um, you know, I guess the the the, the thing I, I I guess I gotta just like finally say is why you know you want the big guys you want the Levi's you want the you know the the, the Dillers and the and the Macy's not on your side and the Sotheby's why just divide eBay up all right here's here's eBay big and here's eBay garage sale start a second split them up and let the small sellers go at it. And make the money over there, and then to have another platform that caters to nothing but large sellers. Why? Why? Well, I think I agree with that, but I think one of the things that we're also going to see happen, uh, Dan, uh, is going to be the uh, emergence of new competing platforms such as VanGo.com that allow the small seller to accept whatever form of payment they want to, not just PayPal, but checks or money orders if they want to, allow the feedback to be a, a genuine, realistic thing between the buyer and seller. None of this DSR nonsense uh, that's going on at eBay, etc. In other words, something where the objective feedback is more realistic, where the buyer and seller interact directly between each other without the outside interference and the micromanagement uh, that occurs at eBay. And I think you're going to see that at places like VanGo.com, which is a new place that's, that's growing quickly and gaining lots of former eBay sellers. I think we're going to see more and more competition for eBay. Oh, I certainly hope so. I, you know, I want to see the public have a uh, much more diverse choice in who they do business with and, and transact in this, in this sort of, in the small seller world, you know, like the garage sale world, you know, the, the paperback, the the strange stuff, you know, the, 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 the ticket stuff, that, you know, the, the things that most normal places like Amazon, the big, you know, they're not full, full-blown retailer. Like for more personal items will sell versus commercial items, you know, that are coming off the assembly line. And there's a there's a distinct difference. You know, collectors go to eBay for things they can't find anywhere else, other than collector shows or you know, or somewhere else. Uh, but but eBay, you know, it happens to be like one of the world's biggest marketplaces for collectibles. You know, so if you can't find it there, you probably can't find it anywhere. Absolutely. And until they put some kind of, you know, somebody takes a bite out of that apple, take you know, takes a piece of that away from eBay, they're not going to change their ways. Because money, unfortunately, in, in, in a capitalist society, money usually governs how people are going to behave. And uh, it goes back to the question the lady asked earlier in the show. You know, how about the big people? Well, of course they're going to get preferential treatment. 
And that's the way. And, and money will talk to eBay. You know, when they get hurt big enough financially, they may change their ways. But other than that, I don't know what else is going to. There's nothing else really that you know is going to force their hand until they until they feel a pinch of a, a strong economic sting from serious competition. What do you guys think of the um, Facebook money? Have you used it yet? I haven't used it yet, but I like the concept. I I used it um, for my Kickstarter. Somebody contributed to my Kickstarter, and uh, it was awesome. Immediate payment. It showed up immediately on my card. No fees. It was as simple as clicking on the coin on Facebook Messenger, and she entered it. It, it came up. It said, you have money from Maureen. Do you accept? And I... I was talking to Maureen. I said, Maureen, is this a scam or is this real? She goes, no, it's real. I just sent you money. So it says, do you accept? I hit yes. It said, enter your debit card information. Boom, it was there. Wow, that's fantastic. No fees. It was and immediate. That, Better than that, PayPal. That, that is great. And, and I think we all know where Facebook's headed. You know, they're, they're just growing by leaps and bounds. And I'd love to see, you know, big big pieces of the uh, eBay uh, economy get swiped away in the PayPal. Oh, it has been. It has been. There's so many people. They're they're actually getting more money on Facebook for stuff than we were getting on eBay. Like people were selling used shirts for $5 and getting it. Some guy just bought a truckload of tires, and he's selling them on Facebook. He has them all listed. You know, you could literally buy your tires, and they look good. <laughs> you know, cars, whatever you want, it's, it's all there, and it's almost immediate. And no there's fees. big fees and stuff like that, right? It, it, there's no big fees involved, and a lot of it's there's no fee at all. Yeah, right. It's person-to-person transactions. Then you add yep, Facebook money in, right? And without any any fees on that end, you've got serious competition at this point. Well, you know, and it's kind of cool because um, I my daughter's going to IUP next year, so I had to go to Indiana. I'm in Pennsylvania, so. The, it's the, the town of Indiana, and we went. They signed some papers on the way back. There's a, a man and a woman pulls up. A man's like at this little gas station. A woman pulls up in a car. Out they come out. They hand out this real big plastic little tykes toy box. You know, it's huge. He loads it in. She hands it to him. He loads it in his car. Away they go. That's cool. <laughs> no feedback. No nothing. Simply, hey, here it is. Dude, and that's going to revolutionize selling. You know, one of the predictions is that social media, i.e., Facebook, uh, yard sale groups, et cetera, that that's where all the former eBay sellers are going, many of them, and that that's part of what's taking place in, in the shift in e-commerce online. Yes, I can see it. Well, why, why, why have to deal with it? Why get dinged? Why wait for PayPal? Why pay a fee? Because you figure, okay, when I listed on eBay – I'd pay a listing fee and an end fee, and then I'd pay a PayPal fee. And then if PayPal decided to get mad, they just lock your account. And if eBay gets mad, they not only lock your account, they lock any eBay account from any, any account of any person who has accessed their account from your computer. That's chaos. You know, I, I won't list because I have I've looked up stuff on my mom's account, my brother's account, on my computer, and I'm afraid, what if I list and somebody does something? And it doesn't even have to be something wrong, you know? So my, aside from buying, I've not done any listing on eBay, and I used to sell, well, I made it to power seller. So, you know, and for years, that was my main income. I was a single mom, and I was just selling away. I used to sell movies. I closed my video store, and I lived for a year selling used movies. With, you know, I think that eBay replaced a lot of people's jobs when the economy first tanked. Everyone's like, well, you know what, I'll just go to Goodwill and buy stuff. They're not doing that anymore, <laughs> you know? I don't know. And the ones that are doing it are shifting it over to uh, to other venues, such as VanGo.com or to the Facebook groups where uh, there's one for every every city. There's a, a yard sale group for every town and city. Well, there's not only that. There's groups for every whatever you want. You know, one of the railroads. There's railroad ones. I, I, I had a um, went to Goodwill and picked up a Civil War book. Didn't know much about it, but I put it on a a Civil War book collector's site and said, "Does anybody want this?" Um, I bought it for two bucks and sold it for fifty. You know, and sold there it immediately. Go. And it was like first come first serve. I had a bunch of metaphysical books, and I said, "You know, if 
five dollars. Well, I actually set it up as an auction, but nobody understood it. So you know, I'll do it again. It'll be five dollars a book plus shipping, and people will just pick out the ones they want. And it's easy. It's simple, you know. Just go to the groups. There's crafting book group groups and there's postcard book groups, and you can just go right to those groups and just advertise and sell. I mean, Rich, you don't you have some groups for selling stuff? Oh yeah. In fact, uh, Deborah Gallant, uh, who also appears here on the show as a caller quite frequently, started a, a group called Sales Across the States. I believe you belong to that as I do. And you yeah. can post whatever you want to, pictures of your items. She sold two vehicles uh, through there uh, through there in Craigslist. And she's also what? got one called a Swap Shop Across the States. Yeah, absolutely. You can start your own group. In fact, uh, Vinyl... There's uh, someone in the group who started a record uh, collecting uh, group there on Facebook, and they're selling vinyl albums. A lot of people are posting vinyl albums on there. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there seems to be a, a group for almost every hobby that you can uh, uh, imagine now at this point that, you know, that's not, uh, you know, seedy. But, <laughs> but, I have, a, I have a, a group on reincarnation and past life memories, 7,600 members. In a year. Wow. So I thought I was doing fast. good with 3,000 in my two groups. Go ahead. Uh, it's yeah, amazing it's, 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 how fast it grows. Well, you know, if you're a good group and you take care of it and you watch what you do, they'll grow really fast. You know, mm-hmm, and you, not saying that your groups aren't good because your groups are amazing, Rich. And it just might be because, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why mine grew so big. It just exploded, it seems like, overnight. And it keeps well, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving what's going on Facebook, but I'm also seeing a trend, and I'm not really happy with it. There's a lot of infighting in a lot of the, the, the hobbyist groups. Uh, people are starting to accuse one another of being scam artists, and 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 the same kind of thing that happened. If if you remember the early days, if you were there in the early days, of eBay it was kind of like the Wild West, where there's a lot of anonymity. You didn't have photographs of people. You couldn't look inside. And one of the great things about Facebook is if you're dealing with somebody, you can look inside their lives. For a certain yes. set. And you can see who they are, where they work, uh, who their family members are. So they're less likely to scam you, you know. But I'm starting to see a lot of fighting and, you know, posting guys. So, well, this guy, well, they, you shouldn't have said that about me, you know, because you're the one. Just, and, and if that continues, you're going to probably start seeing some regulation from Facebook because they're going to have to eventually. If it gets- well, that's the problem of the group owner. We just had one. A woman came in, and our biggest problem are the um, Bible-thumping Christians who are, they come in to save us, you know, or the people that come in and want to talk about it, things that we, we have limits. And this woman came in and started attacking, saying this isn't real and you're going to go to hell if you believe this. Well, we believe everyone has a right to discuss their opinion. Bring your opinion in, bring your thoughts, bring your memories, and we'll discuss them. You know, I'm not, I have every religion known, just about known in my group but we don't tolerate bullying. So if a group has somebody in there and they're they're bullying, that means that those admins are not taking care of it. Those people should be booted immediately. I don't play. It's like boom. You you want to be a meanie? Bye. <laughs> I just don't have time for it. You can't have you can't allow that to happen and expect your group to grow. It'll just, it's just a bad it's a situation waiting to happen. Right. Yeah, you've got to nip the negativity right in the bud. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure you do that too, Rich, in your groups. You just boot them. Oh, absolutely. Them. I've, I've had to boot a number of people out of, out of both groups. Uh, for Usually, they're uh, eBay cheerleaders who are just attempting to subvert my group by by uh, maintaining <laughs> that, that what we're alleging isn't taking place. The same kind of nonsense that Dan has run into and that I used to encounter on the eBay discussion boards where people just simply – Okay, I don't want to believe this. I don't want to accept this. And and there are um, many times that's deliberate. Many times they are in fact an eBay uh, cheerleader or shell, you know, or a devotee. They're just blind uh, to uh, what's going on. And and those kind of people are dangerous. You know, they're fanatical. And 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 you so you have to address it quickly. You know, absolutely. Oh yeah, just immediately. Just um, that's what we always we laugh um, on Messenger about how we have control of the the awesome ban button. I have over five. I have seven thousand members, five hundred bands. I don't wow. play. They come in for the longest time. They were coming in, and it was like you know you're going to burn in hell and all this stuff. It's like just because my experiences are different does not mean yours are right and mine are wrong, or mine are right and yours are wrong. Just don't bully anybody. I'll listen to anything you want to say, but don't bully a soul. It's not going to happen in my group. You know, you you just you see your eBay people coming in rich, just ban them, ban them, block right. them, whatever. 
Right, absolutely, absolutely. And I think that going back to the Facebook experience is, is the fact that social media gives you a glimpse into who people are. And, and I think they're, in, in the early days they had like alt news groups and, and various subjects, you know, and, and a lot of that included buying and selling of hobby items. And there was a lot of anonymity because you didn't have a face to a, a user ID. or. Oh, now you know the kids, you know where the kids are going to school, who plays what, yeah. So it's a lot safer. It's a safer I, for the, the buyer and seller. It's not like Craigslist where it's a blind ad. Like you said, you know who they are. Yeah, and, and you do. And 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 you know, you you brought up Craigslist, and I've been reading in the, in a lot of local papers in Florida and other places. They're they're, they're setting up Craigslist meetup zones for transactions because there's been so many robberies. Yeah. Uh, you know and. They found a gentleman dead behind a liquor store up north of me a couple of years ago on a coin sale. This guy just met him on on Craigslist, asked him to meet him at a local shopping center, shot him, sold thirty thousand dollars worth of coins, and the pop cops know where the guy's at. They know he's in North Carolina somewhere, but they the the, the cross jurisdictional cooperation with the police, they're not pursuing him as strongly as they should be, you know. And then they took somebody's grandfather and father away, you know. So. I think with the the Facebook experience, if you could see, you can usually judge, you know, who's a who's a Johnny come lately, who's just or somebody that's been on Facebook for a while. You you can say, you know, like, well, this guy's been here since 2010, and look at the accumulation of friends and relationships they have. Whereas on the other platforms like Craigslist and other places, you're not going to get that. So you're you're absolutely right. I, I think that 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 could be the big shift. I really hope so. And who needs feedback when you can tell their mom? <laughs> it, it just really yeah it is funny that i just i see the groups popping up i um you know and if you see something i'll find i'll get messages i'll say somebody tagged me and i'll go looking it's a family member tagging me for something they think i want like i collect 1889 johnson flood memorabilia and i got my brother tagged me for 1977 flood stuff and i'm like no, i have those <laughs> and then i flag i flagged him on i i um, I tagged him on the tire post because he's he's a motorhead. So you know it's it, it's simple, it's easy. You know what? Here's the pictures. Take what you want. Here's the prices. Meet up. It just it's it's the best thing I've seen yet for for combating eBay. No fees, no nothing, and Facebook doesn't seem to care. You know, it just, well, and it's being embraced in, enthusiastically everywhere. Uh, there's many many swap shop groups. Uh, for each town and city now, and they're all they all seem to be doing very well. Sometimes the same items will appear in more than one group until that person sells the item. I've noticed. Mhm. And, and I hope this I hope this trend continues. I really do. I think that this could be uh, one of the big bites out of eBay, Apple, and, and the face and the PayPal Apple. I mean, we, we, I haven't encountered Facebook money yet. That sounds like a. Can you describe real briefly how that's set up with your bank accounts and stuff like that? It was a debit card. You had to pay it to a debit card. You had a debit card to enter in? Did you have money to enter card? Yeah, it was like immediate. It was immediately credit to my debit card. That's incredible. That's great. That's great news. I love to hear that. Some news out there. It's uh, working well, well. Yeah. I I was really happy with it, you know. It was immediate, no payment. I did, I even thought, well, maybe some money came out of it, but no, it was free, nothing. Yeah, I, I really hope that I hope that trend continues. I hope there's no interference and, and nobody trying to get their hands on it. You know, too yeah. soon. Eventually, it was, if it goes, probably somebody will try to try to get a slice of the pie, but but let's hope not. You know, for a while, you know, let it grow and 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 continue on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm sure there's going to be a time when pay, when Facebook charges, but or oh, makes yeah. some money somehow. But you know, Facebook may may have um, um, tapped into like a merchant account to get money. You know, where they get a three percent or something off of the credit card. It, it could very well could. You know, and and I think that you know the the, the point here is that eventually. When Facebook and I've been wondering when it's going to happen, Facebook seeing all these transactions going on, they're eventually going to say, "Well, well look at all this money we're missing." You know, and and usually when people look at that, when they look at the bottom line, they will look at this. You know, we're getting all this other money from advertising and X Y Z here and there, but look at this money we're missing. They're going to try to pick up on it. There might be you may see some fees to sell in groups eventually, and, and things like that. But I hope not. I really I hope they let I hope they let it go the way it's going right now. 
Well, it, can only, it will only bring more people to Facebook. That's probably what yeah. they're looking at. You know, you're bringing all these extra people into Facebook, and you're also bringing all these more ads. You know, people are uh, – do you ever think maybe they're selling – okay, so let's say you sell a, a Vera Bradley purse on one of the groups. Next thing you know, Vera Bradley's advertising. So maybe they're not getting money off their sellers, but they are getting money off of Vera Bradley and off of the companies whose stuff they're selling. So in an event, because Facebook is working off ads, maybe Facebook is really making a lot of money off of the stuff. Because if you notice, um, I just had a question in my group about it. Um, if you type something something odd, like maybe talk about a turtle or something, and post something about a turtle like two or three times, and then within the next day or so, you're going to see ads to sell turtles and <laughs> turtle food and all kind of stuff. You're, you know, you'll see or, or something about a, a baby, and then you'll see baby ads or baby clothes or you know formula ads. You'll see it come up on t- on the side of your Facebook. And right, you're, you're, you're being you're being targeted by those advertisers. Yeah, the uh, same thing occurred uh, with my brother uh, a few months back. He and his wife had gone on on some trip to see their grandkids, you know, playing a basketball tournament or what have you. They stayed at a a certain particular chain of motels, and so now whenever he gets online and goes to certain sites, there'll be a banner ad at the bottom from that motel chain. Obviously, because they know. You know that's the motel that he chooses, that's, and so they're uh, again targeting him. Yeah, there's going to be that's going to be one of the ways in which Facebook monetizes some of this will be through uh, ad targeting from the uh, from the sponsors from particular advertisers. Yes. Well, you know, it's one of the very reasons the government did not tax online uh, transactions in the beginning, even between state, you know, state and state tra- taxation was because they wanted it to grow. They wanted e-commerce to grow online. And uh, as long as uh, that kind of thinking is going, that progressive kind of thinking is going on at Facebook and other platforms, uh, you know, uh, we've got some light at the end of the tunnel, you know, uh, versus the restrictive uh, draconian eBay policies. Uh, it could be it quickly. Uh, we saw Facebook take a, a major, you know, I mean, they just dominated the web like almost overnight. You know, in a couple of years, I think from 2010 to like 20, and in the last five years, it just seems like everybody and their grandmothers gotten on. And exactly. Like you know, it really does. And, you know, people of all kinds of walks of life and beliefs are on there, and, and as long as you have that kind of diverse mix and and very little interference from the, the powers that be, you have a very good experience, and that could be one of the solutions to the problem. Absolutely, I agree, Dan. Well, folks, we have about five minutes left in the show, so I want to ask if there's any other callers that have any more questions they'd like to ask. Yeah, uh, Rich, uh, tell us a little bit about your e-books that you have. Oh, yes, okay. That is called Noise, the Decline and Fall of eBay, an American economic juggernaut. It is available on Amazon. Uh just look it up by that title there, or by my last name, uh, or my name, Rich Bernadeau, V-E-R-N-A-D-E-A-U. You will get a free Kindle download if you want from Amazon, whether you have a Kindle or not. You can get the free download for your pad, for your laptop, for your PC, for your, your phone, depending on what kind of phone you happen to be using. So it's widely available to anyone who wants to look into it. And so that's my ebook, Noise, The Decline and fall of eBay. Oh, that's great. And Dan, tell me what you, you have going on in the near future. Yeah, um, I'm, just, I'm teaching right now part-time, and uh, I'm trying to recruit. Uh, you know, I, I'm trying a little bit of the Facebook stuff. I, I'm, you know, I'm doing a little bit of uh, selling some of my comic books, and, and I've created a little page of my own, my, my community page, and I'm selling a few things here and there. Uh, but I'm kind of laying back a little bit, uh, that whole year of being an eBay seller was extremely stressful, and I'm glad to have that off of my back. Uh, you know, I, you know, you run around like a nervous wreck trying to please people, and then at the end you get kicked, you know, really hard, and uh, it's a kind of a relief. You know, it's like beating your head against a wall. It feels so good when it stops. <laughs> I bet. I bet it's just a weight off your shoulders now. You must, you must feel an enormous sense of relief. Yeah, I, I have. I really have. You know, and. Uh, and not that it's, it was a good run, and, and, and I liked what I was doing, and, but the reality is it's, it's uh, very stressful, and, and God bless those people that can take, take all the heat 
and keep on going. Uh, but, you know, me personally, you know, it's a double-edged sword. I miss the money, but at the same time, I don't miss the hassles and headaches and the ruined days. And, you know, you, just one person can ruin your whole day on eBay, you know, for a couple yeah. of days. Yeah. And I don't miss that at all. Not at all. Well, Dan, I want to thank you for being my guest again tonight. And uh, everybody who's listening out there, remember you can listen to this show, the recorded archived edition, and you can download it and share it. And I want to thank all of our callers tonight, and I want to wish everyone a great evening. Good night. Good night, Rich. Bye-bye. Bye. Good night.